The Penguins have returned home from their quick two-game road trip with no points and even more questions. On this edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast, Hunter and I are going to break down that and more right after this. Your Locked On Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome back, Penguins fans, to another edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Patrick Damp, joined as always by the one and only Hunter Hodes. You can follow me on Twitter at synonym for wet. You can follow Hunter at Hunter Hodes. You can follow the show's account at LO underscore Penguins. We thank you for making this your first listen or watch of the day. We are free and available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKEDONNHL to get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. So we start this Monday in a not-so-great place as the Penguins' quick two-game road trip through Minnesota and Winnipeg saw them yield zero points, a 3-2 loss to the Minnesota Wild on Friday night, and then a 2-1 loss to the Winnipeg Jets on Saturday. And as I have been saying for the last couple of days, these games pretty much have been a microcosm of the last two seasons. Their power play continues to be garbage and falling apart in the biggest moments of the game. They have no semblance of depth scoring, nor can they even score pretty much at all, scoring all of three goals across those two games. And especially on Saturday, just unable to start games on time. That was a huge problem last year. It hasn't so much been this year, except for a handful of games. And Saturday night was definitely one of those games. The Penguins did not look good in the first period. Actually, let me amend that a little bit. They looked good for the first couple of minutes of the first period. And then when the goals were scored by Winnipeg, they just completely imploded upon themselves and were scrambling, trying to play a brand of hockey they cannot play. So at this point, we have to discuss where this team is, where it's going, and what the future in the near and long term is going to look like. That's pretty much going to be the theme of today's episode that there are, as I said in the intro, a lot more questions than there are answers with this Penguins team. Getting back to the playoffs is obviously the goal. I think I speak for most Penguins fans when I say Stanley Cup contention not in the question this year. So at this point, Hunter, I know you have been waiting since Saturday night to really cook and talk about this these two games this past weekend. So as per usual, my friend, the floor is yours. Empty the clip. What do you got? I just think these two games showed what the Penguins' issues have been all season long. Number one, they have too many passengers on this team right now, especially in the top six. Ricard Raquel has been absolutely terrible this year. He's not working on any line. He has five goals in 37 games. I know I didn't see that coming. You didn't see that coming. I don't think anyone in the fan base or anyone that covers this team on an everyday basis saw that coming. Five goals in 37 games. He's almost on a 10-goal pace for someone that almost had 30 last year. 
Riley Smith has been a ghost basically all season. And yeah, I know he scored against the Minnesota Wild, but he's also been a passenger all year. Even in these two games overall, I didn't really like his effort that much. I mean, yeah, he scored, but I mean, that was just also a really beautiful pass, I would say, from Evgeny Malkin. Brian Rust, okay, he's been decent at times, but he's still quite often a little bit of passenger as well. But outside, I would say, of the forwards of Jake Gensel, Sidney Crosby, and Evgeny Malkin, there are just so many passengers on this team right now. And then that gets to the depth scoring. You said it when you were cooking right there. They have no semblance of depth scoring at all. And it's funny, man. I kind of saw this coming a little bit when Kyle Dubas made his moves on July 1st. I gave him a C for the moves that he made because I wasn't sure where the goals were coming from outside the guys in the top six. And now with some guys in the top six barely even producing this year, that problem only gets worse because you knew that a lot of these guys in the bottom six were not going to score this season. And yeah, I know Matt Nieto has been out for a while, but even when he played, he wasn't being particularly playing that well. Noah Chari has not provided much offense at all this season, even when he's been healthy. Jansen Harkins has four points in 34 games. None of those are goals. Jeff Carter, I mean, he's been okay at times, but he's also almost 40 years old at this point. You know what you're going to get from him, I would say, on a nightly basis. But we are in a couple games. I think he's showing that he's probably one of their best depth options, but that's kind of sad considering that he's only played a couple of games this season. Lars Eller, He's also been fine, but again, I don't think he's a third-line center on a contending team, as I've been saying. I think he's been good this year. Drew O'Connor, he's kind of fallen back down a little bit after a really nice hot streak, but again, they really only have two or even three even decent options for their bottom six right now, and that's not good enough if you want to contend for a playoff spot. And number three, they don't have a defenseman that's worth a damn after Chris Letang, Eric Carlson, and Marcus Pedersen. I keep seeing these takes on social media. The Penguins will do anything but solve their second pairing issue. How do you suppose they solve that? Seriously, that is a open question to anyone out there. Ryan Graves has been terrible beyond comprehension this season. I mean, I was higher on him than some other people were heading into this season. I thought he was going to be at least a decent fit, but he hasn't even been close to that this season. He's vomiting all over himself in his own zone. He's not providing any offense. And, oh yeah, they still have five more years of that contract of $4.5 million per. So that's looking like one of the worst contracts in the league at this point so far this season. And then P.O. Joseph, we've seen what he can do in the second pairing minutes with Eric Carlson. That's not going to work. John Ludwig's not going to play up there either. They don't have another true top four defenseman on this team right now. And I really think that is hurting them. Those are the three things that I think have just been killing them all season. Of course, we can mention the power play as well. I mean, they've had 14 one-goal losses this season, if you can believe that, and the power play, Pat, is below 12% in those losses. That's unacceptable, and that's cost them so many valuable points in this inning. So you combine those three things that I said, plus the how bad the power play has been in their one-goal losses, and this is what you get. A middling to okay team that is Yeah, in the race, but it's starting to fade a little bit out of the race. And if they don't get a lot of points in this next stretch here where five of their next six are at home, they're going to be really up a creek heading into the deadline in early March. Yeah, you're there. I want to add a couple things to what you said. I want to start with the Ricard Raquel point. And this is going to sound silly, but at this point, you can't play him anywhere but the top two lines because we have seen he doesn't create offense on his own. He needs to 
be with an Evgeny Malkin or a Sidney Crosby to be a productive player. And no, and that's no shot at Lars Eller. We're, we're going to talk in the second segment more about roster moves, Kyle Dubas, the front office, and all of that. But we have seen that, no disrespect to Lars Eller, he has been better than most expected. I would go even to say he's been one of the better signings they made this year. Now, that's not a high bar to clear, but he has more than fulfilled the role he was supposed to play. But he's not a guy that you put a winger like Ricard Raquel with him and Ricard Raquel keeps his production. So at this point, if you're Mike Sullivan, Ricard Raquel has to play in the top six. I know he hasn't earned it. I know he hasn't looked like a top six forward this year, but that is his role. You can't put him in reduced minutes with guys who aren't elite centers because it just doesn't work as well for him. As for the defense, you're spot on. Outside of Latang, Carlson, Pedersen, there is no answer there. P.O. Joseph has had multiple opportunities to seize that spot, and he just hasn't. Chad Ruedel is who he is. John Ludwig's a nice little defenseman, might have some upside as a middle pairing guy or a bottom pairing guy when you're on a deeper team, but he just, that's his ceiling. Uh, I would be surprised if he became anything more than that. I want to see more of him, but I mean, up to this point, I know it's been a small sample. His underlings are okay. He can throw some big hits, but I want to see more outside of just him throwing a couple of big hits because, you know, I, I like the one that he threw in the Winnipeg game when he came back to the lineup, but I want to see his puck moving abilities. I want to see how he defends in his own zone. And right now, again, I just kind of think of him as a regular run of the mill, number five, number six, number seven defensive, somewhere in that range. And Again, I want to see more of him, but I just don't think his ceiling is that high at this point, in my opinion. No, and unlike last year, like last year, the only real issue, and I know this breaks it down a little too simplistically, but the only real issue the Penguins had last season was depth scoring. Because if you remember, everybody in their top six had double-digit goals. Everybody that played in the top six had 10 or more goals. This year, they have four players with double digit goals and that's Crosby, Gensel, Malkin and Rust. Rust has 13, Malkin has 16, Jake has 22, Sid has 28. Outside of that, yeah, Eller and Smith have 9 each, but 9 goals from Eller's fine because he's a depth player. That's about what you want him to score, 10 to 15. Riley Smith, that is unacceptable. You have been stapled to Evgeny Malkin's wing for most of the year. He's missed all of 6 games. It's not like he was out long term. He missed 6 games. And he's got all the nine goals and 21 points. That's just not acceptable if you're a top six forward. Jeff Carter, six goals. Again, fourth liner, 10-ish in that area, 10, 12 goals, which is pretty much what he's on pace for. That's what you want out of him. Contract aside, the role that he's playing, he's producing at the rate he's supposed to. And then Ricard Raquel, 37 games, five goals. That's just not acceptable. So right now at this point, you have four players driving the bus and nobody else is there helping them. And that is not a key to success. It's taking us back to the 2014 and 2015 Penguins teams when the book on beating them was shut down their top two lines and nobody else is going to be able to beat you on that team. And we're right back to that point again. I love that you brought that up because this is, ex I feel like this is a carbon copy of those teams. And I'm going to go down memory lane here for the fans listening to this show. I know all of you remember Zach Sale, 
who I think is basically Jansen Harkins at this point, to be honest with four it's points. It's a fair comparison. I mean, I mean, I think it's fair. He's not really doing anything offensively. Everyone remembers Craig Adams, of course, playing in the bottom six for so long. Tanner Glass. Do you remember the line? Tanner Glass with Joe Vitale and Craig Adams. How that useless. No offense and honestly not that much defense either. It's probably one of the worst fourth lines in the league. You had Marcel Gotch in there who really didn't do anything. They traded for Maxime Lapierre who probably did a funny moment in a playoff series for the Penguins, but he didn't really do much for the Penguins either. You had guys like at times Bobby Farnham was getting a look in the bottom six. It's just that's not what I want the Penguins bottom six to look like in 2023, 2024, 2024 now, of course, but the 2023, 2024 season, I should say. And the fact that we're even having that conversation is scary to me because I'm a bit worried that Dubis may not learn from that in the offseason and he's just going to double down on this over the summer. I'm not saying he's going to. I'm just worried because of the lineup that he built over the summer. Again, I understood the plan, but when I saw those moves made on July 1, Matt Nieto, Noah Charlie Larzeller, I still said to myself, where are the goals coming from? And I'm glad that I get to be vindicated with that because Penguins right now are 25th in the league in goals per game at 2.9. And shout out to Josh Yoey, who put this stat out there on social media. The Penguins have not scored more than three goals in a game in a month. In a month, people. January 8th against the Philadelphia Flyers, they scored four goals. They have not scored four goals in a game since then. They have scored four, they have scored three goals, I should say, in only four games since then. They can't score to save their lives. They have three goals in the last two games. That's not going to win you anything. And until they get better goal scoring, they also potentially not be the worst finishing team in the league because that has been a case for the last couple of seasons, you're going to continue to see them struggle like this. And I think the finishing, it's a combination, I think, of A, bad luck, B, not having enough finishers, I don't think, and C, partly the system a little bit. But they really need to get this goal-scoring problem fixed or they're just not going to go anywhere at this point. And we can get into this conversation in the second segment, but if the Penguins are really serious about winning this year, after going all in over the offseason, then a move needs to be made ASAP. And we will get into the Kyle Dubas of it all in the roster construction of it all in the second segment. But before we do that, we have to go to break and tell you about our first sponsor, and that is Sleeper. We're a little past the halfway point in the season, Penguins fans, and we know how this one is going. The highs have been high and the lows sure have been low. Regardless of where we are in the current standings, I want to remind you that you could win big by playing Daily Fantasy Hockey on Sleeper, the official Daily Fantasy app of the Locked On NHL Network. Sleeper is our number one choice for Daily Fantasy Sports and especially Daily Fantasy Hockey because with Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in Daily Fantasy Hockey contests. This is a season where I would most certainly be taking guys like Sidney Crosby and maybe even Tristan Jari because he has been one of the better goaltenders in the National Hockey League. I love this app because it's daily fantasy sports. It's not season long. Ask anybody who knows me. I'm not that good at season long fantasy. I'm more of a day-to-day guy. All you have to do is pick whether studs like Crosby, Malkin, 
McDavid, Ovechkin, McKinnon, you name it. A lot of stars in the NHL these days will record more or less than their sleeper projections for things like goals, assists, saves, plus minus, and more in a given game. To win 100 times bet on sleeper, you need to correctly predict the outcome of eight player stats. You heard me, Penguins fans. You can win 100 times your money playing daily fantasy hockey with sleeper. So start paying attention and nail your picks so you can start winning big. Use promo code LOCKEDONNHL and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code LOCKEDONNHL. See sleeper's terms of use for details and locational availability. We're back on the Monday edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Patrick Damp, joined as always by the one and only Hunter Hodes. And we teased it there before we threw to break. You had your rant on this these last two games and where things stand right now. Now I'm going to take my turn here and I'm going to rant about the way this team is built and the general manager and all of that. And the thing I want to start on is this. We brought up in the last segment, guys like Riley Smith, guys like Ricard Raquel, guys like Ryan Graves. And I have seen a lot of revisionist history and I will give you your flowers. Absolutely here, Hunter. You said it on July 1 prior to me joining the show that his offseason, his July 1st, his free agency, Kyle Dubas, C, average grade. Didn't do great, didn't do poorly, middle of the road. And the thing that I have been seeing a lot of, and if you follow me on Twitter, you know I have been fighting this battle for the last 36 hours. I've had a lot of people coming at me, and rightfully so. You guys know me. I love talking hockey as long as it comes from a good fla- a good faith place and you're not name calling and doing all kinds of goofy stuff i'll talk hockey with you all day every day as long as i'm awake but seeing a lot of revisionist history of people who were like the graves contract was awful and riley smith was a dumb move and all this stuff no they weren't not at the time the evidence was there that riley smith would be a productive top 6 winger He did it for multiple years with the Vegas Golden Knights. And then Ryan Graves, he was a huge part of the New Jersey Devils getting back to the Stanley Cup playoffs. Now, if you called both of them going and turning into absolute pumpkins, I'll get you a gold star, but it's going to take four to five business days because they're on back order due to supply chain issues. At the same time, though, yes, we can evaluate it right now that they have both been absolute busts and they have not worked out and they have greatly disappointed. I don't think anybody saw Ricard Raquel having this down of a year. I really don't. Again, another guy evidence was there that he was going to come in and still be a productive 20 to 25 goal scorer in the top six has not looked that way at all. A lot of that is just bad luck. Like I'm not going to sit here and pretend like Kyle Dubas had a great off season. He didn't, it was fine. I will say he gets marks for getting the best player available. And that was Eric Carlson. The best player available this off season was Eric Carlson and he traded for him and gave up next to nothing. So he deserves full marks for that. The free agency part of it though, I can't say it was great, but I also can't sit here and pretend like I was disappointed with it at the time because it all made sense. I wouldn't say I was, disappointed i would say i was kind of underwhelmed as i've said you know a couple of times in the show already i'm glad that lars eller has exceeded my expectations 
But as I've said all year, I think he serves you best as maybe if you are a true contending team, he serves you best as a 4C with someone providing more offense as a 3C. And I don't think it's helping him that he's playing with Ricard Raquel, as you said, because Raquel hasn't really been doing anything all year. And again, it's fine if you sign a player like Lars Eller because he's played well so far, but that can't be your best move for your bottom six over the offseason. Again, bringing in a player like that is totally fine. He can give you some scoring a little bit at times. He's really good in his own zone, great penalty killer. But if that's the biggest bottom six move you're making, then I kind of question your process of how you're going about selecting players. Noel Chari, you know, he's had a history of scoring definitely a little bit more than what he has this year. And I think he could use some better linemates. Maybe we'll have to see how that is next year. But so far, again, outside of some defensive impacts, some impacts on the PK, he's provided next to nothing and half the ice this season. We can talk about Matt Nieto as well. I felt like there were better options to build out the bottom six over the offseason. Someone like a Matt Duchesne, though, of course, you have to have him potentially want to come to Pittsburgh, and we don't even know if the Penguins were truly interested in him. But if if they weren't, I mean, I think, I think they should have been, considering Duchesne was out there. And then someone to me, and I've been beating this drum for a long time, Evan Rodriguez, that's my boy. I, I know he's had a great year in Florida. I would have loved to see the Penguins bring him back, though. You know, I know him and Mike Sullivan, you know, there was a penalty in the playoff series, Pat, that you remember he took in game six at home. There was just a whole situation, I think, with that. So, again, I would have wanted them to, to sign him, but I also understand why he went to Florida because of the situation that it presented itself. But I just felt like overall there were a couple of better options to suit this bottom six a bit better. And now you're really seeing why that roster construction on July 1 is coming back to bite him a little bit, just because, again, I was underwhelmed and they're not getting the depth scoring that I want them to get. When they were winning those cups in 2016 and 2017, they were getting contributions from everyone in their lineup. Even when the Malkin line was shut down, even when the Crosby line was shut down, they were getting contributions from the HBK line. They were getting contributions from the Matt Cullen line, especially. And you fast forward a few years now, they're getting almost next to nothing most nights, I would say, from those two lines. And it's it's just really hurting them every single game, or most games, I would say, at this point. Yeah, and, and you brought up Matt Duchesne. And the thing I also want to I want to put out there as well is there is there's two things here. One, I have to say this before I get into the Kyle Dubas of it. There's a lot of revisionist history on oh, he didn't do a good job in his first offseason. Well, a lot of the seeds for what ails this team were planted before him. It really cannot be understated how much damage in just two short years Hextall and Burke did. And I'm not passing the buck from Kyle Dubas. I'm not saying he's perfect and absolved of all blame. He's made some some questionable moves. But you look at a lot of the guys that are ailing and, and struggling this year. I mean, Ricard Raquel's got four more years at $5 million. Dubas didn't sign that dude. You've got obviously the Jeff Carter 3.125 with a full no move. Again, Ron Hextall move. You in in if you're gonna if you're gonna get after him for the bad moves, we have to credit him. I again for Lars Eller. I know 2.45 is a little bit much, but he's played the role he's supposed to play and played it pretty well. He got Alex Nadelkovich, who looks like a 1B goalie. He resigned, he took a gamble on Tristan Jari, and Jari has been one of the best goalies in the league this year. 
And again, the Eric Carl- I will say, let's see how that deal ages. But so far, that's an A plus move for but, but almost again, where this where this team is. You're not worried about three, four years from now. You're worried about the next year or two. And right now, it looks very good. And then the same thing, the Eric Carlson trade. You can you can hem and haw about the power play. That's fine. We have all season, and he's got to be better on that. But at five on five, he has been both pretty solid defensively, and he's producing at his usual career pace. People forget his 100-point season in San Jose was well above his career pace. He's producing the same amount he has for his entire career. So you can't really say he's been a disappointment. He's been worth the money. And then to the future of it, the other thing I think people are forgetting, aside from on July 1, you always overpay. That's the price of business on July 1. You are always going to overpay, especially for anybody worth a damn, because there's going to be multiple suitors and you eventually have to be the one that has the most lucrative deal. But you brought up Matt Duchesne, $3 million contract for a third line center, and he's got 48 points, including 18 goals. That would be really nice to have on the third line right now. Then I also look at a guy like Vladimir Tarasenko, $5 million deal, 14 goals, 34 points again, would be really nice to have in the bottom six in the bottom six, or as somebody who can fill in on the top six when guys struggle. And then another guy who Kyle Dubas had history with that I'm surprised he didn't give a call to is Michael Bunting. 11 goals, 32 points. He's making a very affordable salary for a couple of years in Carolina. That would have been very nice to have in the bottom six. Now you hinted at it a little bit. I also have to make sure people understand guys have to want to come here. We often forget that as fans of a team, because in our world, we're the main characters and understandably so you root for a team, you focus on them. We're a Penguins podcast. We focus solely on the Penguins and talk about the rest of the league when it uh, when it's required. But there's also a very real chance. Maybe they tendered offers to these guys and they just said, no, I don't want to come to Pittsburgh. It's very much a possibility that these guys just said no. And lastly, I think people need to relax a little bit. I'm not saying accept mediocrity. I'm not saying everything's okay. And, you know, Baghdad bobbing it and being like, no, no, everything's fine. Everything's good. No questions. But I think the biggest moves, and I've hinted at it on this podcast before, are going to come this summer because more meaningful money comes off the books that you can move. You only have Jake Gensel as your only free agent. And whether people want to admit this or not, you're not going to lose if he doesn't come back. You're not going to lose Jake Gensel for nothing. You're getting cap space. And in today's NHL, cap space is an asset. I also think, and we can continue this discussion a little bit in the final segment. I don't want us to run too long here, but I do think there is a world where they can do a little bit of quote unquote selling at this deadline to compile assets to move this summer. It's not guys that they're going to bring in and make long-term answers for, but I do think the biggest spotlight will be on Kyle Dubas this summer rather than right now. I could see that. I think I'm still of the opinion where I think I maybe just disagree a little bit for right now because of how they went all in over this summer. You make all those moves and, you know, no matter how some of them have worked out versus how some of them haven't, you know, you still went all in for this season. Try to get back to the playoffs to try to get at least one more massive run 
out of this core. And right now, the GM is kind of sitting on his hands a little bit. And I don't know if he's nervous to maybe do something, because I know if Jim Rutherford were still the GM right now, he probably would have done at least a couple of major trades just because that's who he was. You know, I will say this, though, and I don't like Ron Hextall. I don't like what he did with the team. I do think if Hextall were still the GM of this team right now and this is how patient he was being, you would be hearing the pitchforks even louder, to be honest, just because of what Hextall had done with this team for the last couple of years. But that aside, in my opinion, Kyle Dubas needs to basically ask himself, what am I willing to do to save this season? Because right now, standing pat, I don't think is an option. I think if because you went all in over the summer, you need to make a move ASAP. A couple of trades have already been made. There's a lot of trade chatter out there already. Are you all in for this season or are you not? And if you're not, then okay, you're just wasting a Hart Trophy caliber year away from Sidney Crosby. And to me, that's unacceptable. And that's a slap in the face to him considering what he's doing this year. It's a slap in the face to Jake Gensel considering what he's doing. Tristan Jari is eighth and goal saved above expected this season. He has a 916 save percentage. He is playing like one of the best goaltenders in hockey. It's also a slap in the face to him if you stand there and do absolutely nothing. And I'm not saying, again, that you need to go out there and get a massive rental at some point, but considering you went all in over the summer, you still kind of owe it a little bit at this point to try and get Crosby some help so that they can make the playoffs at this point. Because considering how just okay the Eastern Conference is, again, outside of maybe three to four teams, this conference is not that good, people. It's just not. So I don't think he can sit on his hands any longer. You've got to make a move sooner rather than later. And the longer you wait, the more upset people are going to get. And rightfully so, because nothing is being done to help fix this team. And we'll explore more of that question on what they should do here in the next few weeks to month to a month with the trade deadline looming. But before we do that, we have to tell you about our next sponsor. And that is FanDuel. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. We're back here on the Monday edition. I almost said the Friday edition, but let's not get too far ahead of ourselves here, folks, of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Patrick Damp. One more time, joined, as always, by Hunter Hodes. And we're going to keep the conversation going from the second segment of what this team needs to do with the trade deadline looming. I have kind of made this point before, and I kind of stick with it, is... I think this is a really unique opportunity for Kyle Dubas because we know at this point there's only a handful of teams that are truly out of it and that are still in rebuild mode and that will be selling come the deadline just because this has been a competitive year. You can say competitive, you can say mid, however you want to describe it, but in both the Eastern and Western conferences, there are a bunch of teams that still have a very realistic shot to make the postseason, maybe not go on a cup run, but to make the postseason, And that is going to make it a seller's market. So if you're Kyle Dubas, 
if you're looking at this roster and you're saying, okay, I know this isn't probably a Stanley Cup contender. Chances are they they can maybe win a round or two, but they're not going much further. I think you can look at some names like maybe a Riley Smith or Lars Eller or even a P.O. Joseph, and you can get some return for them. To what I was saying in the last segment, I think his best decision this this season should be not so much to go all in, not so much to punt, but to think to next year and say, okay, if I can flip a couple of productive guys for a roster player to some extra draft picks or whatever, I can flip those this summer and really rebuild this roster. My thinking, I understand your thinking with that. My only hope is that if you do that, then Sidney Crosby continues to produce like this next season. And to be honest, Pat, there's no guarantee that he will, just considering that he's going to be another year older. And I know it sounds crazy of me to maybe, I guess, bet against Sidney Crosby considering what he's done at this point in his career. But I do think as he gets closer to 40, it's you can have those conversations just because what he's doing right now usually is not the norm for 36-year-old players in the NHL. So if you are confident that Sid can play like this next year and Gino can at least play, I would say, at this level for the most part for next season, then okay, maybe I can see a little bit more for that. But in terms of if you're not, then I think you should try to push your chips a little bit for more going all in this year. Again, I'm not saying to make the biggest moves at the deadline, but just getting a few or a couple, I should say, reinforcements to help this team at least get into the playoffs. That's really all I care about at this point. Seeing more playoff hockey and seeing what you can do against teams in a conference that are not that good. Boston is very good this year. Are they the juggernaut that they were last year? No. And they also lost in the first round. The Panthers are very good, but we'll have to see if they can get all the way to the final again. The Hurricanes are very good, but let's face it so far, they're not built for playoff hockey. Their goal scoring goes away in the playoffs because they don't have enough high-end talent to win four seven-game series. They just haven't so far yet. Knock on wood, I should say. The New York Rangers had that hot start. They've kind of cooled off a little bit. And their best goalie isn't even playing that well this season. If that's a problem in the playoffs, that could spell trouble for them pretty quick. And they also just lost in the first round last year. New Jersey is not playing that well this year. They need a goalie really bad. You look at the conference overall. Again, it's so right for the taking that I think, honestly, still at this point, maybe you can call this copium, whatever. I just think it's foolish right now to punt. Right now. Now, if these next, I don't know, few weeks go by, and you're dropping points on the fly, then okay, let's have a different conversation. Even maybe about Jake Gensel, who again, I'm still right now, I'm not even sure if he's going to get moved at the deadline just because a couple of teams that I kind of saw maybe targeting Jake, they're going to be out of the race now with the Winnipeg Jets, for example, and the Vancouver Canucks. The only team that I really have seen connected to Jake are the Edmonton Oilers. And let's face it, they don't have anything to offer the Penguins. Their prospect pool stinks. The roster play you're going to get from them is probably not that good. And I'll just make a joke here. The only roster player I would want from the Oilers for Jake Gensel is one of their two best players, which that's not going to happen, or Ryan Nugent Hopkins, or Zach Hyman. They're not going to trade any of the four of those players, nor should they. Again, I was joking about McDavid, Drysdale, Nugent Hopkins. But again, you look at the up and down that lineup, there's not many forwards there that I would really want for the foreseeable future. So again, I just don't know how many true suitors there are for him at this point. So that's kind of where I stand 
on that right now, at least to your point. Now, here's a name I don't think a lot of people are talking about that could net some good assets to bring them back into the playoff race at the trade deadline. And you may look at me like I'm crazy. You may think I'm a little out of my mind. But if I'm Kyle Dubas, I'm putting Alex Nadelkovich on the trade block because a, a lot of what you have right now probably doesn't have much value outside of Jake Gensel. And if you move Jake Gensel, you're pretty much putting up the white flag as it is. But you've got a goalie who's played 15 games. He's got a 917 save percentage. He has been a starter before in his career. We're coming down the stretch run, so you're not going to put a lot of stress on him because he's only played 50, he's only started 15 games. He's appeared in 17. A lot of teams need goaltending. And if you're Kyle Dubas, you can maybe say, hey, I got this guy. He's a 1B. We've got an okay goalie in Wilkes-Barre right now and Blumquist who could come up and back up pretty well and be serviceable. So maybe we can make a deal, but we can discuss more trade deadline possibilities in the coming weeks, especially as we see how this season plays out. Before we go today, I have to give a shout out to my former employer, the team I used to work for in the ECHL, the Penguins AA affiliate, best hockey team name for my money in any league, the Wheeling Nailers in West Virginia have tied a franchise record this weekend by winning their 12th straight game. In Hunter, I got to tell you, man, if you have been to a Nailers game, you know this. They are a blast. And when that team is good, West Banco Arena in downtown Wheeling, man, it is one of the most fun atmospheres you can go to. So at this point, if this team keeps it up and they find their way into the Kelly Cup playoffs, and that is what it is called in the ECHL, ladies and gentlemen, the Kelly Cup, get your butt down there because it's only about an hour drive from Pittsburgh. The tickets are extremely affordable, and it's a very fun atmosphere. So shout out to them. And Hunter, I know you looked up a few stats for this team, so hit us with those. Yeah, no, Wheeling is playing really well this year. And for those that are local to the Pittsburgh area or even the Wheeling area and you haven't even been to a game yet, I strongly suggest you go. And honestly, I should say that to myself because I haven't been to a Wheeling game yet. And with how good they are, I'm going to have to go down there at some point. You know, you have players like Dylan Hamelick who came over in the Eric Carlson trade, 32 games this year, 14 goals, 35 points for Wheeling. He's playing really well down there. Jordan Martell in 40 games, 24 goals, leads the team, 37 points in 40 games. Jordan Frosca, Nine goals, 24 points in 25 games. They are also, standings-wise, they're fourth, 28 and 16, and one and one. So one overtime loss, one shootout loss. They have 58 points, five behind Toledo, also five behind Idaho, 15 behind Kansas City, who is 35 and eight and two and one. That is a insane record. It's very rare when you see a record like that in hockey. But it's awesome seeing Wheeling play this well. At least one of the Pittsburgh-affiliated teams here, Pat, is actually playing its tail off this year. Yeah, and, and, and shout out to head coach Derek Army behind the bench. He was one of the key contributors for that team when I was there, especially my first full season working for them in 2015-2016 when we, the Penguins organization actually did something that has never been seen before, and I don't think it's been seen since. In 2016, the Wheeling Nailers were in the Kelly Cup Finals playing the Allen Americans out of Allen, Texas. Who were they the ECHL affiliate of? The San Jose Sharks. 
And who were the Penguins playing in the 2016 final? The San Jose Sharks. So that was a super fun time. But yeah, I mean, shout out to them. It's awesome to see. I'm telling you guys, well worth your time to go check out a game down there in West Virginia. You will not regret it. And if you do, you guys know what my Twitter handle is. Go ahead and tell me you didn't have a good time, but you're not going to be able to do that. That is going to do it for the Monday edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast. For Hunter Hodes, I am Patrick Damp. We will be back tomorrow to talk more about the week ahead and where this team needs to go to get back into the playoff race. But for now, that's going to do it for this episode. We will be back tomorrow.